This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're listening to The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. I'm a man. And welcome along to The Score with me, Michael Clark. Here's what's coming up on this week's show. The UK and Ireland have won in their bid to host Euro 2028. We'll hear from Irish FA Chief Executive Patrick Nelson and journalist Keith Bailey on what that means for football in Northern Ireland. How might the qualification process work and the questions around Casement Park. We'll bring you up to speed with preparations for the Euro 2024 qualifiers against San Marino and Slovenia with Daniel Ballard and Isaac Price on the programme. Plus, we have guests from Linfield and Larne coming up. They will be helping us preview a full round of Friday night fixtures in the Premiership. Chris Shields and Paul O'Neill will be on the show a little later on. It's all coming up right here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Oh, it's going to be a busy show today. Six guests to pack into the next star. We will find a way. We always do. It is great to have you along with us and let us go straight into the big story. Euro 2028 is coming to the UK and Ireland. The bid was confirmed as the winning bid on Tuesday. Five host nations, ten stadiums selected. Six of those in England, namely Wembley Stadium, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the Etihad Stadium, St James's Park, Villa Park and Everton Stadium, which is, they hope, going to be completed by next year. Hamden Park in Scotland, the Aviva Stadium in the Republic of Ireland and the Principality Stadium chosen in Wales with Northern Ireland's venue being Casement Park and we will be discussing Casement as it needs to be redeveloped and there are many opinions being expressed about that so that will be a topic of conversation on today's show and to help us do that let us get our first guest on earlier this week I was speaking to the Chief Executive of the Irish Football Association Patrick Nelson and the first question I asked him off the back of the big news is what does this mean for the Irish FA and the association as a whole that Northern Ireland has been selected and that Belfast has now got the opportunity to stage these games? Well I think the the, the news for Northern Ireland is huge, the the news for all five countries is huge. you know, how often in our lifetimes do we get an opportunity to bring major tournaments, major sporting events to our shores and our cities? Um, so this time we're bringing uh, the world's third biggest sporting tournament to Belfast. I think that's great news for the country. It's got a lot of people talking, a lot of people excited. There's those that are worried about the Casement Park element of it. Can you talk to me about obviously the decision to go along with Casement Park for this and and what you hope will eventually be the case with Casement Park? Of course, our history is with the National Football Stadium at Windsor Park. Uh, We've been playing there since 1905. Um, It's been Linfield Stadium since then and I think we started playing there shortly after that. And um, and it's, it's our home, it's what we're used to, it's where we have the history and it's what we love. Having said that, unfortunately, it's not big enough to cope with hosting the Euros. Um, And so if we wanted to take part in the Euros, and of course we do, we want to bring that tournament here to our country, then Casement Park was our only option. And I think we do understand that um, there will be a range of feelings on this, um, but we will keep as much dialogue open as we can over the next few years to try and make sure that um, uh, more people understand uh, the benefits that hosting this tournament are going to bring in the short, medium and long term to our country. And with Casement Park still needing to be redeveloped, 
Is there a need for a backup plan in case, for whatever reason, it, it isn't done in time? I think everybody is focused on um, the redevelopment of Casement Park at this point. Um, UEFA like everything to be done and dusted in terms of their planning for one year in advance. So there is time. Um, there's probably not much time to waste, but um, everybody is focused on making it happen. And the sub-regional funding, I'm sure Irish League fans will be wondering about their stadia. Will this have a knock-on effect, do you think, in a positive sense with that conversation? Well, that's a, that's a great conversation to have because we've, uh, we've not let go of the sub-regional fund. Uh, it was announced 12 and a half years ago, believe it or not. It seems like a long time ago, and it really is. Uh, and um, we have had regular and constant communications, as have the Northern Ireland Football League uh, as well, to their credit, with permanent secretaries, with ministers when they're in office. And we think that that 36.2 million needs to be released soon. Uh, Our grounds in Northern Ireland deserve it. In fact, they deserve a lot more than that. We probably need in excess of 100 million. But starting with the 36.2 million will be a good thing. And the sooner we can get that rolling, the better. And we do hope that the the decision that we are going to co-host part of the Euros will start to free up that fund as well. And can you tell us anything about the qualification process? I know the English FA have said they'd like to go through a qualification process. Uh, do you have a preference or, or has anything been offered? All, all five nations that are going to be co-hosts of Euro 2028 um, have agreed that we're going to be part of the qualification process. Uh, we look forward to that. That will start in, um, I think, September 2026 after the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, all, all of us will go through it and we'll see what happens at the end. And this idea of... a uh, maybe a parachute or whatever you want to call it, safety net at the, for two of the nations. Is that your understanding of it or what is your understanding? Well, that's a matter for UEFA in the end. It's a proposal that we've made for, to UEFA and we'll see how it goes. Um, hopefully, it will, um, hopefully it will be put in place, but hopefully none of us will need it. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, that is what Patrick Nelson has had to say, the Chief Executive of the Irish Football Association. Let us now get the thoughts of journalist Keith Bailey, of course, a friend of the programme. Keith, great to have you back on as always. Always good to be on the score. Thank you, Keith. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, Casement Park is clearly the big talking point, and I want to create the space today for a bit of sensible conversation around it and try and take away the emotion if we can and just deal in the facts. Yeah, listen, I think it's great. I mean, it's um, a great opportunity for Northern Ireland. I mean, growing up watching the Northern Ireland national team at Windsor Park in the, the late 90s and the early 2000s, you know, you couldn't have possibly even dreamed of the idea of uh, of Northern Ireland being the host nation or part of one of the host nations for a major tournaments. So the idea that it's, that it's happening and that Northern Ireland may well be there uh, and play games in Belfast, you know, it's, it's just fantastic. Um, I think it's something to be excited about. It's also something to be cautious about and slightly wary of in the sense that, first off, the stadium isn't built yet, so obviously there's a process to go through there. But, you know, you, you've talked to Patrick Nelson and, you know, we've, we've heard the, the Belfast Telegraph, we've talked to the IFA figures and we've talked to government figures and we've talked to GAA figures and everybody assures us that this stadium, stadium is happening and will will be built in time for 2027 um, the, the Ulster uh, Championship Final will be played there uh, in 2027 you know, a full year ahead of the Euros so they're expecting it to be built in plenty of time and I think it can only be a good thing um, for sport in Northern Ireland that we'll, ha- we'll get this new stadium which will have a huge legacy for GAA and also will have Euro 2028 which is something to be excited about and what about the concerns that fans have around Casement Park, Keith? Probably the concerns can be broken down into two different sections. You've got people with political concerns, I guess, who just wouldn't feel comfortable going to the Casement Park. That's an individual decision. What I would say about that, anybody who doesn't feel comfortable going there, There'll be another four or five, maybe as many as ten, Northern fans prepared to pick up their ticket. You know, there'll be no bother selling tickets for, for a game of that magnitude uh, at Casement Park. You know, the other concerns are maybe practical. Fans worried about their safety or, or getting to the stadium uh, and how that would happen. You know, I'm sure with consultation with, with communities and and uh, with the fans that, that something and, and the PSNI that something can be worked out there and, and that everybody can enjoy it I, I think this is a positive thing We've heard 
from Patrick Nelson. He's saying Casement Park was the only option. There are people who have been contacting this programme. I'm sure there have been plenty of people contacting you and the Belfast Telegraph asking the question, was it the only option? Why not make Windsor Park bigger? Why not build a stadium elsewhere? These sorts of things. What do you say to that? Well, there's maybe a missed opportunity there with the, the maze in 2006. If, if that had gone ahead, then, then this would be a different discussion. That didn't happen. Um, there have been benefits from that because we've got a fantastic uh, ground in Windsor Park, a much improved ground, and also at Ravenhill, and, and from this also casement will will follow. Um, the idea of improving Windsor Park now, I don't really see how it's practical. Obviously, the railway stand, the the south stand and the cop were only redeveloped in what, 2015, 2016? Um, you're not going to knock them down, are you, to, to build something new? That would be ridiculous. Uh, the only stand that's been there for any length of time is is a double-decker, the north stand, which, which holds 7,000. Um, you know, to get it up to UEFA standards, you're talking about knocking that north down stand, uh, the north stand down, and building what a humongous kind of twenty thousand stand there. I don't think that's practical uh, in any way. So, you know, Windsor Park is a million miles away from from being up to standard for this. I, I don't see how renovating it now would would be practical or possible. And we have seen rumblings from politicians about you know not being happy about this or what way funding is being allocated is there any fear that there could be vetoes in place or that there could be any uh, blocking of the building of the stadium which would obviously then hurt Northern Ireland's chances of actually hosting Euro 2028 despite being awarded it I wouldn't like to think so I mean obviously the residents group in that part of the world you know tried to take a judicial review against them and weren't successful it seems like that was the end of the road from there from their end in, trying, in terms of trying to stop it a political well I mean you know Def, Jeffrey Donaldson spoke out against it that's easy to do for him at the moment because he's not in power the EP aren't in government um, so it's very difficult for them to, to have any influence on it anyway uh, I, I find Jeffrey Donaldson's comments you know, strange um, on, on Wednesday I mean it he made the comment, and this is a comment that you hear quite a lot, and I understand why the regular person in the street would say is like, why why are we spending this money on this fancy sports stadium when we could be spending it on the NHS or we could be spending it on education? Um, well, you know, we do need other things in life, whether that's arts or sports or tourism. We, do, we always, society always spends money on those things, and, and Jeffrey Dawson knows that only too well. I would have thought that if he really is concerned about helping the, the health service or helping education, the best thing would be for uh, him to take his party back into government. Well, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, uh, I know he will say that he has his reasons for not doing it, and he will probably, because he's not on the programme, argue that uh, there's a, a pile of people that support them in doing that, as much as we know there are people who certainly don't. Um, in terms of the money uh, conversation, sub-regional funding, the football fans in Northern Ireland don't want to hear talk of legacy and all these things. They want to see actual progress with their own stadiums and that money being pumped into the league to make football here really get to where we all want to see it go and not just have this be another missed opportunity in a few years time where we say yes we did host five matches but the stadiums are still in a state of disrepair we haven't been able to grow at the rate that we want it to and people like us still going where's the sub-regional funding they, they need that money to be released um, should we have optimism that that money will come out even though now we, we know the figure needs to be much much higher than what it originally was yeah, well, I mean, one of the kind of concerns that we've got from Irish League fans since the the casement news was was confirmed is this fear that well, oh my goodness, if, if all this money is going to be spent on Casement Park, it could be as much as 168 million. Then, well, there'll be nothing left for for the sub regional uh, stadium program. It doesn't quite work that way. And if anything, I think that the movement on casement and casement project getting underway may unlock the funds uh, the sub-regional stadia pro, uh, program um, I think it was always pretty unlikely that, that local football was going to get more money 
Well, GA still haven't uh, received their funding for, for Casement Park. So I think this is actually a positive thing in that regard. Um, you touched upon something there. We, we talked in this show before about $36 million. That money was promised in 2011. A lot in this world has changed uh, in the last... 12 years up 36 million wouldn't do wouldn't do a quarter of as much as what it would have done back then um so we clearly need more than that i mean belfast telegraph during the week here uh, we reported that that uh, the clubs are optimistic that as much as 100 million uh, could be delivered and we've had patrick nelson saying um as recently as as thursday that you know it could be maybe as much as 120 or 130 million um so you know the signs are positive. Uh, it's been a long wait, and I don't really blame anybody if they don't quite believe that that funding's coming because there's been so many setbacks in the past. But the soundings are positive, so I think we've just got to gotta have faith in that and, and hope that it comes through. And we also heard Jared Lawler use that 100 million figure on television um, last weekend when he was speaking at halftime on the BBC. So with Patrick's reference to Niffle, with the numbers seeming to align, it does feel like the, the football forces, if you like, are really starting to push that agenda further and maybe this is the next step in doing that. Uh, we are going to take a little break in a minute, Keith, to hear from a couple of players, but just before we do that, uh, if you wouldn't mind, um, can I ask you about the two games, San Marino and Slovenia? Uh, the San Marino game is certainly not uh, Brazil coming to town, but is this finally an opportunity for Northern Ireland fans to see a home win in this campaign? I mean, surely to goodness it is. Oh, I I, I would be very surprised if we didn't beat San Marino um, on Saturday afternoon. I know that the performances and results have not been great uh, in this campaign since Mike O'Neill returned San Marino were a poor nation and we dispose of them relatively easily out in Saraville so I would be optimistic that even with all the injury problems and the poor run of form that we've had that we'll still win on Saturday and win quite comfortably Slovenia on Tuesday night is a more interesting game um, obviously you know that it was an entertaining game out there in Ljubljana only last month and um, Slovenia came out on top and deservedly so but I think we saw enough to suggest that Nolan can actually cause Slovenia problems they don't have the best defence in the world, so listen. I would be uh, I would be optimistic that Northern will get uh, at least four points, maybe even six. So uh, I'm feeling more optimistic than, than normal ahead of these two games. My goodness, we'll have to send a doctor over to your house. Absolutely, I've got a bit of a head cold. Maybe it's uh, it's blurred my vision. I'm enjoying the optimism. If you wouldn't mind just holding uh, with this, Keith, we're going to hear from the Northern Ireland squad now, and then we'll be back with. Keith Bailey's thoughts on the Niffle Premiership. The score with Michael Clark. Well, I've had the privilege of speaking to two of the Northern Ireland players who are looking to be involved in these upcoming games. Isaac Price on the way shortly, but we'll start with Daniel Ballard. He has been in tremendous form for Sunderland, has got a lot of plaudits, and we know he's a fan favourite with the Northern Ireland faithful. But does his club form give him a little bit of an extra lift? And can he take that momentum into these next two games for Northern Ireland? Yeah, 100%. Um, obviously, back home, we've had a good start to the season. I feel I feel good personally. Um, so we're, we're really really looking forward to these next two games, you know, two home games. We want to, you know, send the fans home happy as results haven't been the best recently. Um so it's it's an exciting two games coming up. And how frustrating for you is that? Obviously, you're competitive. You want to win every match, but the home games in particular haven't gone your way as of yet. No, not as yet. And you know we've we've got a great game Saturday. Hopefully, we can get a win. And looking ahead to Tuesday, I think we again we can put a really strong performance together and um, yeah, get get the results going in our favour. Um, you know, the managers talked a lot about making Windsor Park a really tough place to play for, for our opponents so that's um, that's what we're looking to do And is there a sense that this game on Saturday against San Marino could be a confidence booster you got the win out there you're expected to do the business You know, is that a game you can kick on from and get a bit of belief in the camp? Yeah I think so um, yeah, any game's tough um, we're going to go out on Saturday and hopefully you know 
show what we've been working on this week and the games before. Um, and looking forward from there, you know, we're not going to do anything different. We're, we're still working extremely hard. Um, we're learning with every game. I know the, the losses are, are tough to take, but you know, there's there's lots to, lots to dissect from it, and I think it's only going to make us stronger. And one thing that your manager hasn't had the luxury of is even stability within the team. There's been injuries. As a defender, how difficult is that when you're playing with different people or, or different people even ahead of you in terms of the familiarity you want to have? Yeah, I think injuries have been tough for us recently. Um, even myself, I missed a lot of games. Um, and, you know, it's, it's disappointing, but you can see the maybe the younger players getting opportunities and, you know, there's one thing that we're all working extremely hard when they get when they get their opportunities. Um, but you know, the more games we play, the more settled settled the side might be, and um, and then we can take it from there. Isn't it crazy to think that you're what 24 and you're talking about young players? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're one of the old boys already. <laughs> yeah, well, it's similar to to back home in my club. Um, I feel like one of the older ones now as well. So, yeah. The big news that's come out this week is that the the deal has been done. Euro 2028 is going to be awarded to the UK and Ireland, or has been awarded. What has that done for all you guys in terms of something to aim towards and uh, having that tournament here? I think I think it's extremely exciting, and you know we've got five years now until the tournament, and we don't know how the qualification is going to work, but. You know we'll be doing everything we can to to build a winning team by then, and hopefully we'll be we'll be stronger than ever, and it will be yeah a dream come true for not just me but everyone playing. Because playing at a tournament that size, I know we're still waiting to see how it all works out. Is that the sort of stuff that when you're growing up you, you dream of? It's maybe something that even now you've been thinking about more recently with all the news. Yeah, I mean we see the the scenes in 2016 and how much the fans enjoyed it, speaking to a lot of the players, you know, some of them saying it's the best couple of weeks I've ever had and um you know, I want that as a player, every player wants that, so it's 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 something really to go for and um yeah, to work towards because it will it will be amazing. And just finally, what do these international matches mean to you? I mean, even with the injuries, you've amassed a good number of caps. You're a popular member of the team. Supporters have really taken to you because you're just such a committed player. But from your perspective, what does it mean to represent Northern Ireland and play in matches like the next two we have here? Yeah, it's it's, it's hard to describe the feeling you get. Um, you know, it makes me extremely proud. It makes my family over here extremely proud. Um, you know, and and they're really tough games as well on a on a different level to 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 club level. So um, it's always a great test. Um, they're always enjoyable. The games, the atmosphere at Windsor Park's brilliant. Um, so you know, every trip I, I look forward to it. And you just need a few better deliveries and a couple more bullet headers and add a couple of goals. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've got two here now, so I want to build upon that. But <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. We made a history doing that for a long time, as I'm sure you're aware, so you just need to get those deliveries right, and I'm sure you'll be there waiting. Yeah, I'm still yet to score at Windsor Park, so that's uh, the next goal. I'm picturing a big towering header against San Marino. I really am. Hopefully that's where he gets his first home goal, Dan Ballard. And if we can make our set pieces better, we can bring back the glory days of terrorising opponents in the air once again from free kicks and corners. Ah, <laughs> let's be optimistic. Now, speaking of goals and important goals, what a month or so it has been for Isaac Price. He got his first international goal away to Slovenia and we saw what that meant to him and he's got his first club goal in senior football for Standard Liège he scored in their win against Club Bruges a dramatic 90th minute winner which sparked pandemonium and that's where our conversation began with all of that in mind Isaac does it get much better than that? No I don't think it really does to be honest but it's gone so fast I think it's hard to like slow down the time and really think about what's happening because you're always going and going and there's upcoming things. But yeah, it's been it's been great for me really. And you see, you know, Michael O'Neill's put a lot of faith in you in terms of the minutes. He's given you also given you your debut. What's he been like to work with so far? 
Yeah, he's great. As soon as I come in, he was uh, he talked to me straight away. He said what he thought my attributes were and what he, where he seen me playing in the team and what he thought I needed to work on as well. So he's been great. And still to the day, we talk quite a bit on the pitch, just little things, tactical stuff where he thinks I could get better or like what my best attributes are. So yeah, he's really good. And. Coming into the side, what's that been like? I guess there is quite a young squad at the minute. Is it not just as daunting or is it still quite daunting? Uh, I feel like because I've got quite a few players that I've played with in the youth team, so it's not as bad when you come into the camp. You've got a few of your mates from the younger ages, but it's good to interact with the senior players as well. You can always learn off them and they're great lads. There's there's not a bad lad in the camp and we've got a, we've got a good team spirit. And what is the mood like coming into these two games? I'm sure there's a level of frustration about how the campaign's gone so far. Yeah, look, we, we know we've not been up to it for the last two games, definitely, and even a few before that, we've we've not put in the best performances. And now we've got two games at home, it's time to really show what we're about. And San Marino's a game that I'm sure supporters are thinking a good chance of a home win. For the players, how much of a boost would that be to finally get a home win in this campaign? Yeah, we need it. It's, it gives you a lot of confidence when you live, uh, win at home in front of the fans um, and it's definitely a game that we'll look to take to them. And there's plenty of players that fancy a goal, but um, what would it mean to you to score at Windsor Park if the opportunity arises? Oh, I'd love a goal at Windsor. I think just the, the atmosphere there is unbelievable. I think if I scored it, just a rup. So, yeah, I'd love it. And we've seen that you're certainly not afraid to take shots on. I, I really did think you were scoring against Casper Michael. I'm still not sure how you saved that. Oh, it was great. So when I thought I'd gone in, but as soon as he tips over, I was just a bit like as knackered as it was. So I was like, <laughs> no good. But yeah, it's always good to get forward, get further up the pitch, try and impact. And if you have a goal and you're always edges your side to play in because they need a goal. So uh, yeah, I think that's good. And I'm curious about your time in Belgium so far. A lot of people saying a brave move for a young person. We know there's a tendency for UK-based players to try and stay in the UK. What was it that, that made you think that was the right club for you? Uh, I could have stayed at Everton and gone out on loan to one of the leagues, but I just felt like this was the best opportunity for me to go and develop. And It was something new. I'd never moved away from home. Uh, I never had to really live on my own, so... It was just about adapting to a different lifestyle and and going and playing football, really. Um, I was playing 21s and there's only so much of that you can do before you need to go out and get some experience in a proper men's league, so that's what I felt was best. And are you having to pick up another language or do enough of them speak English? Yeah, quite a few do speak English, but in the uh, actual city, no one speaks English, it's all French, so I'm I'm having a few lessons, but it's, it's hard to catch up with. Well, we'll test your French another day. I'll not put you through that just yet. We'll see if it's easier to learn than the Belfast accent, maybe. Yeah. In terms of some of the older players in the squad, um, what is it like to you know have Johnny Evans, Paddy McNair, people like that in and around you who have had such great careers? Yeah, it's massive for us young lads, really, because they've got so much experience and they've played so many games for their country already. So you can only learn off them, really. Um, ask the questions all the time. I, I've they probably get a bit fed up of us young players always asking them so many questions about what we think's best but yeah they're great for us they're always there they uh, give us information when we need it and uh, it gives us confidence the score with michael clark Isaac Price and before that Dan Ballard uh, just helping to add to our optimism ahead of those international fixtures but it isn't all international football on the show indeed there's a full round of Friday night matches taking place in the Sports Direct Premiership and Keith everybody's been round the sun once now we've all played each other once and uh, it's given us an idea as to you know who means business and who has a lot of extra homework to do if they want to catch up with the rest of the class uh, what have your thoughts been on the top flight campaign thus far yeah i mean it, it, it's been interesting there's certainly been some things that were predicted at the, the start of the season that, that maybe haven't quite come to fruition one of them one uh, i talked about this on, on your show is i thought the crusaders after a fantastic a fantastic run in europe and some superb performances could be title contenders and you would have thought in the in the month of August that would quite likely be you know they've dipped off a bit and and they maybe don't look like they'll come to come to fruition in terms of a title race so it's very early on in, in the season. The other one is, is Glen Torn and, and obviously they've had uh, some really poor results in the last couple of weeks and again they don't really look like a team that uh, can mount a title challenge at this stage but as I said it is early. 
one manager who got a lot of stick when he was appointed. Uh, some Cliftonville fans weren't too happy. Was was Jim Magilton, but they they've made a superb start. Uh, ben Wilson looks like one of the looks like the signing of the summer. I don't think there's much doubt about that. So you know maybe Cliftonville, a team that maybe people weren't talking about, again could actually be you know serious title contenders. But really, when you look at it, it's still about Lauren and Linfield. They look the the two strongest teams in the league, just as they did last year. Um, and I would expect the title race will probably come down to those two teams. When you look at the foot of the table, there are three teams who are really touched tight in terms of Dungannon, Swiss and Glenavon, 10th and 11th, both on 7. Ballymena United on 6 at the bottom of the table. Newry City are just a wee bit ahead, Carrick Green is a wee bit ahead again. But um, when, you're, when you're looking at that, there's still so much time to manoeuvre but have any of those sides that I've mentioned given you belief that they'll be safe or that they're already very close to being in really big bother? Well, I think, you know, Carrick will be safe. I mean, I think if they've got enough quality there that they should be they should be all right. Danny Perkins has been a superb signing. You know, he's, he's really delivering on his, on his potential and really enjoying playing on a regular basis. Um, you know, Lock All is a team that we would have talked about being in the relegation battle. You know, at this point, it isn't just a good run of form. You have to say Lock All are just a good team um, with good players. And uh, again, it looks like I would be fairly confident they'll be safe. Um, beneath that, well, you know, Glavin have had a change of managers there. Obviously, it's been a poor start to the season. They should have enough quality to stay out of it. But we'll we'll have to wait and see. You know, I, I think that it, it's pretty worrying times if you're a Balmini United fan. Um, they they don't look a great side at all. They're really struggling to pick up wins, and and it's really not impossible that a team as big as that could could be relegated. And that's the bottom half. A, a big team that you've mentioned aren't happy at the moment are Glen Torn. They've played eleven. They're already eleven points off the league leaders. Is it a case of being patient, given? more time to Warren Feeney or uh, could there be changes afoot? I mean, what is going to happen with Glentoran this season? What What is your gut telling you? I know that when journalists say this, they tend to say that, you know, it's media sticking up for their mate in Warren Feeney and I'm wary of that um, but I think that the idea of sacking a man that you've appointed in the summer before Halloween is, is faintly ludicrous, really. I think Warren Feeney has been given the Glen Torn job and he, he deserves the opportunity to show what he can do and he deserves more time than this um, so Glen Torn were already in a bit of a sticky situation before he arrived I appreciate that Rodney Macri got some good results uh, during his, his short spells manager but turnover of managers there and the way things have been handled off the pitch I think it meant that any manager coming was in a difficult situation. So I think Warren Feeney certainly deserves the opportunity to to see this season through, to see things into the new year at the very least. Um, it, it's a long season ahead. You know, what's a realistic aim for Glen Torn this year? It's not the league title. It's probably qualifying for Europe. So you maybe got to give uh, the manager the opportunity to, to achieve that. Um, and then if it becomes clear that that isn't going to happen later on in the season then it's a different conversation but for now I think that the that, that Torn is a club that need to keep faith with, with their manager He's also spoken about silverware they're in the semi-final of the County Antrim Shield as much as people might scoff at that Irish Cup run, who knows and uh, as you say, Europe The uh, Warren Feeney's team selection against Ords in the quarter-final of the uh, County Antrim Shield was quite telling um, I think most people at Ards were expecting, you know, him to, to seriously ring the changes and, and to see a lot of young players. Didn't do that. It was a very strong side. He, he picked. Uh, there were a few changes there, but you know, it was it was mainly first team players, and, and that got them through with a two 0 win. So I think he, he is obviously eyeing up the County Antrim Shield as something that they can win, and uh, maybe give the fans and everybody at the club a bit of a lift. Like sometimes the County Antrim Shield, we've seen it in the past. We've seen it with Lauren can be a great springboard on the on the better things and just finally Keith uh, because I've still uh, two premiership players waiting to come on to the show we're, we're flying through our guests today and I really do appreciate your time who's going to win the league is it going to be Linfield Cliftonville Lauren somebody else what are you thinking um, I will say I will say Linfield um, I think that they 
will have a little bit of an edge on Lauren this year. But actually, those two, there, there's very little between them, and I, I could go either way. Okay, lovely stuff. Always great to have you on the show, Keith Bailey. Thanks very much for coming on to the score. The score with Michael Clark. So that is the predictions. Let's now look ahead to the matches taking place. As I've been saying, a full round of games this Friday night. Carrick Rangers at home against Linfield. We're going to be hearing from Chris Shields shortly from the Blues. The league leaders, Crusaders, are at home against Ballymena United. Defending champions Lorne are on the road to Duncan and Swifts. We're going to hear from Paul O'Neill in a moment. Glenavon take on Cliftonville at Mournview Park. Glen Torren host Loch All at the Oval. And it's Newry City Corian at the Newry Showgrounds. They are your six games taking place. And now, without further ado, we can hear from Paul O'Neill. The Lorne striker joins me on the line. Paul, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Good to have you back on the programme. And, uh, well, what a September you had. You were uh, Lauren's Player of the Month. You also got the club's Goal of the Month, and I'm sure you're wanting to carry that into October and and uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, uh, started the season a bit slow and stuff, and you know, kind of got my chance there a few weeks ago. And, you know, the way the way we are at the minute, you, ha- you have to take your chance when it comes to you and you know I was I was happy enough to to contribute towards the team and scoring a few goals along the way and, and, and setting up a few and you know I'm, I'm enjoying my football at the minute so long may I continue It seems like it's really competitive for places at the club and I guess that only brings out the best in you Yeah yeah 100% you know in training you're going into training and the quality and training's obviously went up a level from last year because you know you're you're playing to keep the shirt in your back, and it's 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 healthy competition. You know it's good competition. So uh, everyone, and it's also good to have because if anyone does say pick up a couple of injuries or or whatever along the way or get sick, or there's you know that there's boys coming in who can do you know the the same job, and you know it's good it's good for the club moving forward. And you also have to, I guess, learn to be adaptable, working with different pairings uh, in attack, and and whoever whoever's picked to play the game, just go along with it as such. I mean, do you have a preferred strike partner um, yourself? No, no, I, I just enjoy playing with everyone on the team. You know, as, as long as I'm in the pits, I, I'm happy. Like, but <laughs> you know, it's with with quality strikers, the same as midfield defenders, even keepers. It's just it's competition everywhere, and it's it's healthy competition and it's it's just really good to have and you know like you say it's a, at, a, at a good month so I'm just looking to bring that form in the, in the rest of the season to be honest so that's it yeah and when we look at the league table it's only 11 games but you've got a feel for it now you've played everybody once third at the moment only five points off the league leaders Linfield at this early stage what's your assessment of Lauren's start to the campaign uh, you know, like you says, it's only eleven games in. You, you're the the competition in the league is like everyone knows. Top can be at bottom, and bottom can be at top. It's 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 just the way it is. It makes the league brilliant, you know. So, you know, there's been a couple of surprising results, and you know we've been on the end of a couple as well. With maybe we've we've switched off at times, but you know, whenever you do get beat. It's all about bouncing back, and I think I think we've done that, and we were brilliant at it last year. So, you know, it's having that bounce back ability, and we have played every everyone in the league so far, and and there's no one that that you know we're 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 afraid of. We're we're going out to to win every game, and hopefully replicate what we've done last season. And as you say about you know shocks can happen if. We were to say, after 11 games, Lauren will have lost just once. Guess who it will be against? And no disrespect to Lock All, but you probably wouldn't have imagined it was them. Yeah, well, well, going into that game, we knew how well that they've been doing. You know, they've they've come up from from the championship, and you know they've they've caused a couple of a couple of upsets, and you know they're probably the team that that has been you know kind of not the standout team, but they've. They've surprised a lot of us, 
and you know when we went into the game we knew going down to their place on a Tuesday night it's not going to be easy and you know they, they give us a tough game and on the night you know I, I know we got a red card and stuff but on the night that they, they were probably deserving of their win and you know it gave us a, a kick up the backside and, and made us realise that right well this, this is the way it's going to be this year you know everyone's obviously out the betas as, as we won the league last year so it's down to us to you know keep that quality and tempo up and training and and bring it in the matches. Does it feel any different this season being the team that won the league last year? I'm sure the hunger is still there, but is there a different feeling going into matches knowing that, yeah, well, we've done it before, we can do it again, but equally we've that big target on our backs? Yeah, well, there, like you said, there, there is a target on our backs. You know, everyone's, everyone's out to get us. So it's, it's, it's kind of down to us. You know, the, the team's... The hunger and desire still there, you know. We've we've set out what what we want to do this year, and that is to retain the title. So, you know, you could say there's a bit of added pressure or whatever, but personally, I I, I don't see it. But you, you can you can understand why, you know. Every team is out to the want to beat, you know, you know the champions. So, you know, personally, I there's not too much added pressure on myself, but a lot of people can't look at it that way, and it does kind of kind of change the reflection of it but I can tell you that we're we're out to do what what we've done last year and you know hopefully we're able to do it Last season we saw you get your best Premiership goal return in the double figures I think it was 13 in the end Um, have you set yourself a target this time? No not really I'm not setting myself any targets you know I started off a season flying last year and you know I think it paying goals or something by December and then I set myself a target of trying to hit 20 and, and doing the same and you know I went off a boil and <laughs> and lost lost my bit of form so I'm not I'm taking it game by game and I'm just seeing where it takes me but you know it's I'm hopefully scoring lots of goals it's a funny thing that can be hard for people to understand but sometimes you can nearly try too hard can't you if you're if you're just overthinking it 100% yeah it's that definitely is the case and you know, uh, when it hit February last year, you know there there was I went on a on a gold trade for ten eleven games, and you know it's it's hard sometimes to get yourself out of it. I think I come on against Carrick as a sub, and and got got a couple of goals that kind of kicked me on to the end of the season, and then I picked up an injury near near the end of the season, which kind of killed me off in the split. I didn't really play much in the split because I was injured with my my knee. How are you feeling now? I mean, you seem to be in, in good nick and um, you're enjoying your football at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I feel pretty seasoned under my belt and, you know, I'm feeling fit, refreshed and I know it's only the start of the season but I'm feeling round to go and, you know, I, I got the, the player of the month by the supporters so I'm, I'm glad that they're seeing the, the hard work that I'm putting in on, on and off the pitch so I'm just trying my best for the team and that's all, that's all I can do. The club into the semi-finals of the County Antrim Shield for the fourth consecutive season. It feels like you really don't want to give that uh, trophy back. Yeah, no. Well, you know, you you want to win every trophy you're in. You do, you don't. I hate getting beat. Like I'm sure, I'm sure the rest of the boys in the team room feel the same. It's some people might look at it as you know maybe not not as prestigious as the other as the other trophies but it's an art trophy to win it's an art medal in your pocket so you know it's and to be honest you know it kind of kicked us on last year I think the final was in January and you know we went on to win the game on penalties and it, it kicked us on over the end of the season to, to get that wee bit of silverware and you know we were able to, to go on and do what we did so your game this weekend is at Stangmore Park against Dungannon Swifts. Uh, what a match that was. I'm sure you all just want to delete it from your memory banks, to be fair. The 4-4 that kicked off your league campaign. I saw that they won 6-4 after extra time against Warren Point Town in the Mid-Ulster Cup. I don't know how many more goals have left in them this week, but you'll be hoping it's not like it was on that uh, Monday night on Sky. Yeah, first game of the season was a bit of a madness. You know, I'm sure it was good for for the for the neutral but you know we, we were all good at after that game to, to go 4-1 up with 10-15 minutes to go it's and the, the draw of the game it almost felt like a defeat so you know we've, we're kind of going out all guns blazing and you know this is going to 
kind of pushes on. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of a wee bit of revenge you want because of what they did, but we know how hard the game's going to be. They're they're a big physical team, and you know they've they've big men up front and they've they've good defenders at the back like Killamore and stuff who was with the Glen. So we know it's not going to be an, an easy an easy task, especially with our manager Rodney as well. You know he, he hasn't he hasn't playing well in Tekken, so. You know we're we're going down there fully focused and you know round to go to get the three points. And tell me this because it made me laugh after the Glenavon game. I was talking to Gary Haverin and he said the American boys are bringing a bit of razzmatazz to Larne. I'm not quite sure what he meant by that, but um, we know you've plenty of Scottish teammates. But how are the American guys settling in? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know they're settling in brilliant. You know Jazzy come in. Um, Forsey picked up a wee injury, but he was doing absolutely brilliant for us. So, you know, hopefully he's he's back kicking kicking ball again soon because, you know, the the quality he has is is it's brilliant and it's good to have in the midfield. And you know, Elijah has come in as well, and that's a, it's another competition for places up front as well. It's just, it's another striker, in and you know he look he looks a player again. You know, he's he's both footed and. You know he, he knows what an adage, so you know it's all healthy competition, and it's it's only good for for me and and the rest of the lads. Yeah, when you look round, um, obviously yourself, Lee Bonus, Andy Ryan, Elijah Paul, and you could add some of the sort of people who are like winger stroke forwards as well. Some of the younger lads that are equally able to to step in there, and there is um, plenty of options. Are you just saying here, turning four two four even that would do? <laughs> As long as we're scoring plenty of goals, <laughs> no. But you know, I have to. I have to do my job. Everyone knows you. You have a job to do, and if you want to keep that shirt in your back every week, then you need to go out and do it and give yourself the best chance and every possibility to to do it by by working on it. Well, it's been great talking to you. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming onto the program, Paul. You very much. Cheers for having me. The score with Michael Clark. Now, he is our final guest of the show. They do say save the best to last. I'm sure he'll take that. Uh, Linfield fans are holding him in even higher regard as if that was possible after a Derby delight last weekend. Friday night under the lights in front of a bumper crowd. Over 7,500 people packing in to see Linfield against Glentoran. And Chris Shields got both goals. Uh, Chris, what a game and uh, what a night for your club. Uh, yeah, it was a great night all in. If you're wanting a derby win, there's no better way to do it for myself personally, obviously. But uh, thought the performance was quite good. The kind of professional to see it out in the second half, kind of without going to do drastic. And look, any derby win's a good one, but to win it in that manner was was well was welcome. And I'm sure the thing that's been irritating Linfield fans and Linfield players and staff is that Glentoran have had a good record at Windsor Park in recent years. Uh, so to finally experience your first home win against them, that must have uh, been particularly nice. That's it. You don't want your your local rivals having you know their better form on your patch. Hundred percent. You don't want that. So for myself. Like I said, it was uh, nice to finally get the home win over Glentoran. It's been two and a bit years coming. Uh, always managed to draw a game or something. Or obviously, it was last year's loss. But now, we're very welcome to finally have that, you know, the celebration with the home support afterwards. Always nice to see. And, you know, I think it was even before I had joined was the last win over Glentoran at Windsor. So, it's something that it was a wrong that needed right, so to say. Your opening goal came at a good time in the game, maybe settled any nerves that might have been there. Um, and I actually thought it was well taken. I know it takes a wee deflection on the way through. Everyone was sort of talking about it as if it was a fluke, but you had to get in there and want it. That's it, I suppose. The desire to get on the end of the ball is one thing, but it took a, you know, no point in just thrashing at it. You need decent technique to keep the ball down for a start. And look, the deflection was uh, obviously takes it away from Aaron in the goal, but. You don't be long in the memory uh, thinking. Last year, Bobby Bourne's deflection for us in that goal was was worse than that. So it was nice to have it on the the opposite side this time. And you know, and well, funnily enough, it came off Bobby Bourne's to go into the net. So, uh, but yeah, it was it was at a good time. The match was 
I'd say cagey enough. I think the first goal was always going to be important. And I felt we had kind of wear under control of the game at that point, so it was just needing a goal rather. You know, you can control the game for long periods and be hit with a sucker punch, which is always not nice to happen. So it was an important time, and you know, it was it was what what we needed at the time. And with the penalty then uh, after that, I mean, you probably can't believe your luck for such a, a silly moment from a very good defender, Aidan Wilson, a, a shove right in front of the referee. He points to the spot and, look, you're no stranger to spot kicks, but um, it was a bit of a gift for you, wasn't it? It was, yeah, and I was surprised, like you say, Aidan Wilson, Wilson kind of, kind of more, one of the more experienced player, experienced defenders around the league to do something like that. You know, it's a push, and I think he's clipped Chris in the heel as well, and, you know, there was probably some torn fans or members of staff that were up in arms over the penalty but it, it, it was a penalty you could hear it clearly on the night and uh, you know I'm, I'm more than happy to take them and funny coming up against an old teammate as well you don't really do you know <laughs> especially coming from the league early you don't really come up against the former goalkeeper teammate and you know put it away and it's a nice cushion going in at half time Did he say anything to you Aaron or did he try and give you any kidology given that you know each other? No, some some keepers just generally don't. I think Aaron's not the type to, but some keepers try to, and it doesn't work, and they come off looking foolish. But no, <laughs> there was nothing. I wasn't looking up to see if he was saying that in any way, because you know some ex-players he played with can try and put you off. But no, there was nothing. It was professional between the two of us. And you're penalty record is a good one so do you I'm not going to ask you to exactly give it away because that obviously doesn't make any sense for you to do that but do you have an idea where you're going before you hit the ball or do you watch the keeper first uh, mix a match you mix it up you always keep no mind keep myself guessing keep them guessing as well <laughs> uh, so as long as it hits the net I don't really care no I think that uh, makes total sense to me um, looking at things you know four league games now uh, on the bounce that you've picked up wins in after the Larne defeat how important was it that you got that response uh, from the Larne game because I'm sure it still niggles away slightly doesn't it because uh, you obviously don't want to lose any match yeah it was it was crucial because the following week was a sticky one you know it's it was a uh, lock all away we've been like you know the surprise package of the league this year and kind of a breath of fresh air to the league at the same time so anyone going going there is going to be weary as Lauren themselves found out not too long after they beat us so it was important for us to bounce back the week after and then within that week we done uh, one of the top you know, one of the toughest things you can do in a week Saturday, Tuesday Friday or Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday you pick up nine points from nine which isn't easy done I've you know even me time at Dundalk we found that it's a hard thing to do so to do that in response and then to go back it up, them three wins with a derby win was, you know, shows that we can bounce back from, you know, kind of disappointments that you will have along the way. You know, it's it's, it's football, people are going to drop points and I think some of the results around the league have shown that. And Carrick Rangers, who you're away to now, um, they're certainly showing that you've been on the wrong end of a game in Carrick. Also, uh, you know, Glenn Torn, who you've just faced recently, lost there. So um, you're not going to be taking them lightly. No, as they've shown, Carrick Rangers are more than good enough to beat anyone on their day. Uh, it came, took a point at us at Windsor when we were going quite well. They've beaten Glentorn at home. They've beat Cliftonville and the County Antrim Shields. You know, they, they seem to have a quite a togetherness about them and they can take anyone on on the day. And, you know, you, you have to be wary of Carrick home and away this season, I'd say, more so they'd look to make uh, Taylor's Avenue a fortress as they would. And we know it'll be a difficult game going there. And it is a venue that a lot of people just say, there's just something about going to that ground. It nearly annoys you before you kick the ball. <laughs> yeah, you do have grounds like that in Leeds, but at the same time, you can't really let it. You don't want to go in with any sort of different mind frame to to going and playing at the Oval or away to Larne or something. You have to have every mindset. Every away game in, in the Irish League is difficult for whatever factor it is, but it's a, it's a game you definitely have to have full concentration in. And off the back of that then, uh, Cliftonville away next weekend, which is a, a huge match. Uh, it just feels like every week there's another, you know, someone will call it a title decider, but they're, they're big, big games. I think it's a bit early to be calling that a title decider <laughs> now, but look, you're never, 
a week or two weeks away from another big game around the corner. Uh, the way things are going at the minute, you know, we'll obviously f- we'll focus on Carrick wholeheartedly now before the Cliftonville game. But then a Friday night, a Friday night game away under the lights of solitude is always a, a good game for you know anyone in the league to be watching, not just playing for ourselves. Like, and you're top of the table now, haven't played everybody once. Uh, what are your thoughts on the the season so far? Because I think. You know, goes without saying. Nearly at Linfield, it was important that you had this sort of response after not winning the league last year. Well, that's it. It's it's, it's a good start. But that's what I keep saying to people. That's all it is so far. Is a good start. Eleven games. You get nothing for that. You've just mentioned fixtures that are upcoming. You know, things can turn on its head quite easy. So it's what you would kind of say is, look, we've took, taken was it 28 points from 11 games if you can do that in the next 11 games you'd be you'd be putting yourself in a good place for the rest of the season so it's kind of don't be getting ahead of yourself but look for more of the same and if you can improve on some results that have happened so uh, at, at this stage of the season that's what it is and I thought it was interesting David Jeffrey was saying on the TV last week after the Glen Torren game how he thought your manager was quite brave in changing the formation. You had a you know three at the back at the start of the season, things maybe weren't working out. He's made the tweak, and you've looked more assured um, as players. Is that good to see that you're able to you know find things and have those home truths and and work it out and and not be too rigid? Yeah, that's a good. That's where you know David's an experienced manager. That's where his quality shows. Has we played three, we switched to a back four, changed the shape in midfield, and you know it's good to have different options because it become quite rigid. And this is your system, and this is the only way you play. And for some reason or other, it doesn't work. You're you're snookered. So for us as players, you know we trust us to to change the shape, even if it needs change in game. You know as we have the capability and the you know the intelligence as players to go and change the shape mid game if, if something's not working, which is is good as well because it keeps the other teams guessing. And as players, do you ever offer thoughts or do you very much take the manager's lead? Um, you can offer your thoughts, obviously, especially the likes of myself or Jamie or Clarkie, you know, some of the older players, the manager would, entrust, would install a trust in you and if you see something in-game, he would like, and you can fix something in-game yourself off your own back, he, he wouldn't take it too personally to do it, but no, most definitely we'd be taking instructions from Dave and what he wants, uh, you know, from the from the front. And just finally, a couple of new recruits. Obviously, we've seen a bit of Ewan East now. He looks a very uh, calming figure in defence. And another player that's just come through the doors in recent days is uh, Dane McCulloch. Um, what are your thoughts on the two lads? Obviously, you spend a bit more time with Ewan. Uh, yeah, the, the two lads have come in and settled themselves in the group. Obviously, Ewan's there a, a touch longer than Dane. It's never easy coming into kind of a settled group you know you miss like we're all together since since June we've done pre-season we've done the European travels and stuff like that all together so to come into a changing room after that's all done uh, it can be quite uh, daunting for some people but with the personnel in our change room it's quite easy to fit in so the two lads have come in and been made very welcome and I know, I know Ewan's enjoyed his time since he's been since he's been in the group and now uh, Dan's only in this week or a bit more so to say so he's still kind of finding his feet and just you know it's like being new somewhere getting used to things and how things run and how everything goes but now he's two nice lads you know fit in the group quite well you know it's it's easy at Linfield to fit in the group and who takes charge of initiations I mean are you going to give Dana Wee song to sing or how does that work yeah usually they, they owe us a song whether we decide if, if it's on a <laughs> night out or for some a pre-match meal or something it's yet to be determined that's where the difficulty comes in you usually get your song out of the way in Europe but now these two boys have to fit it in somewhere so look they'll, they'll not get away without doing anything oh very good well there you go maybe some Linfield fans can offer suggestions and I can pass those on in, in due course a, a, a Christmas number one between the two of them is it out of the realms of possibility <laughs> nah they're not they're not allowed to team up you can't be getting help in your initiation you're on your own <laughs> you see I have just East 17 in my head I thought that was a tap in He's probably that young, he wouldn't know who they are, to be honest. <laughs> now, Michael, you're showing your age now. That is very true and equally very depressing, and sadly, where we're going to have to leave it this week, Chris. But uh, always a pleasure. Thanks very much for coming on to the score. No worries, thank you. 
The Score with Michael Clark. Well, that is us at the end of another very, very busy programme this week. My thanks to all of our guests, to the Chief Executive of the Irish FA, Patrick Nelson, to Northern Ireland Internationals, Dan Ballard and Isaac Price, sports journalist Keith Bailey, and from Linfield, Chris Shields, who you've just heard from, and before that, Paul O'Neill of Larne. And most importantly, as ever, thank you for listening. Our show from a fortnight ago has reached our top 10 ever most listened back to podcasts, which is remarkable. It shows the numbers of people that are coming in week in, week out to listen to this. And if you're kind of a new recruit to the SCORE family, please do subscribe, please do follow us wherever you get your podcasts from and across socials. The SCORE and I is our home and uh, we are grateful for your support. But... All that remains to be said for me to you for now is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye.